I'm gonna start calling you Pancates. Hello, my Pancates. Welcome to the Stallion Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. Um, we had Sam Diminich on this week. A few notes. I am but a small man, a small CPA, doing tax work. Um, it's just me on the pod. Sam's internet connection was not the best on this, so there's a few times where he cuts out. We're gonna ignore that part. We're just gonna let it go. We're gonna let it ride, because it was still a super fun conversation with Sam. Um, so don't don't get at me that uh, he cut out. We all know. Let's just let it go. Um, while we're on that, don't forget, give me a five-star review on iTunes. That's the best thing you can do for Women's History Month for me. If you could take care of that. It's a big tax deadline coming up on the Ides of March. Let's uh, let's give me a five-star review. Um, no two stars, no one stars, no three stars, no four stars, only five stars. Also, if you want to throw a little money to the pancake so we can maybe like get the sound better so we don't have to deal with these internet issues... Why don't you go to uh, scoutingpancake.com, click on the podcast link, and give us a little bit of money so we can like have a podcast studio and we don't have to deal with these issues. Just some ideas. Anyway, enjoy this episode, uh, and have a great week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scallion Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. This is where you say your name. And I'm Sam Diminich. There we go. Sam, in the house. (laughs) Great to have you. Good to be here, man. So, for those of you listeners who don't know Sam, which is probably not that many, give us your background. Tell us how you got into food and where you worked. Cool. Yeah, so so, uh, I'm third-generation restaurant family um, brat. You know, my grandfather was from Italy. He came over and started a place in uh, where I'm from in Myrtle Beach in 1956. And um, and so he he ran it. Him and my grandmother ran it. And then my dad uh, became involved in it. And then once I came around, uh, that's where I wanted to be as well. So that's how I got into it. So where what part of Italy is your family from? He's from Trieste. Where is that? Uh, that's like northern Italy. You know, we're basically it's almost we're almost Croatian. You know, um, so you're near Venice. Uh, my sisters have actually no. Well, maybe, maybe. Um, you know, he. Um, you know, I mean, he. he it was. You know, it's, it's an ambiguous area up there with the <laughs> Italians and, and Croatians. So um, we're we're <laughs> we're a bit of a mutt. So was it an Italian restaurant in Myrtle Beach? It was, but but like American Italian, you know what I mean? Like chicken parm, spaghetti meatballs, fettuccine alfredo, uh, you know, good salad, couple of desserts, cheap wine, <laughs> great hospitality. <laughs> yeah, so we were talking before that, so we got your meal kit last week, and you had chicken marsala on there I did. and i was telling you how yvonne was like i don't like chicken marsala because i think she's used to like you know the americanized shitty version of chicken marsala and yeah. then but she really likes yours so i guess like what like when you're doing a dish like that are you taking it from the influence of like your family in italy and trying to make it better i guess <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah it's it's a it's a lot of a lot of what i cook is really and that's a like it's a cool se- uh, like segue into talking about like the emotionalism cooking, and um you know and, and kind of what what got me here and what keeps me here. Um, but yeah, I mean I have memories of walking into the restaurant and my grandfather, and my dad used to have this big tilt skillet, and they would they would line them up with whole chickens, and either make you know big batches of marsala or big batches of hunter style chicken, um, which would be cacciatore on a lot of menus, um, you know where they'd be braising. Um, beef broth or veal, um, you know, or big batches of tomato sauce. So all of that, you know, I have memories of all of that. And, um, and what I remember most is, um, 
you know, the feeling I got whenever I walk in the door or the aroma or, um, you know, even the pride that they took in, in what they were doing. Like it was it wasn't like as serious as, as we are now as chefs, you know, but it was there was definitely a lot of passion present, you know, and I picked up on that. And um, and that's what I was drawn to. You know, it's just a young kid, a young boy. You know, I just wanted to be there a to hang out with my dad, you know, and B, he played lots of loud music. So that was cool. You know, lots of rock and roll. <laughs> So that was that was that was attractive as well. And um, but but more importantly, you know, he was you know, he was just real serious about food and taking care of people, you know, and, and um, there was something about that that attracted me to it. It still does to this day. So did you feel pressure to go into the food industry? Did your parents say, don't ever do this? This is a terrible industry. What 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 did you get from your family? You know, what's funny about that is that there was never any pressure at all, really. And, um, you know, like my my teenage years, my high school years, <laughs> it was not like memorable in any way, like academically. And, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I would spend, you know, we're talking about free. We're talking about surfing, skateboarding and uh, and cooking. And, um, you know, when I graduated high school, uh, my dad and this is something that I still give him credit for, always will. Uh, I didn't have any aspirations of going to college. I didn't do any college visits. You know, I took the SAT once. You know what I mean? Like that just wasn't on. Um, <laughs> it wasn't in my plans. And um, I was just going to hang out. But he was like, no, you're going to go to. Uh, he enrolled me in this community culinary school. And also, um, you know, lined me up for a place work. And I always like um, compare it to like athletes being traded. Like I was sent to this restaurant to go cook. And um you know, you know, for this guy who made like classic French food and everything was, was from scratch and I was um, directed to go to culinary school. But it was it was just a little community college. But anyway, it was like um, I wasn't I wasn't heavily influenced. I already loved what I was doing. And, and so that was, uh, I, you know, I think that was just, uh, you know, uh, like a natural next move for me. So when you went from your parents, like Italian American kitchen to the French kitchen what was your like initial thoughts i was in love 100 percent. i was all in man it was cool you know i i didn't we didn't use like we used my dad's you know he just used like dried garlic oregano um you know dried basil you know when i got to this place it was it was called the sea island inn and it was an old um french style uh hotel and uh whenever you rented a room there you could get breakfast and dinner that was included and the menu would change every single day and it was a throwback of sorts um but it was french you know it was a cool blend of french food you know and low country and so whenever i arrived there that was the first time i'd ever seen like fresh basil that was the first time i'd ever ever baked bread and that was the first time i'd ever seen veal stock that was the first time there were many many firsts you know, in that kitchen, even like fruit, you know, we saw peaches in the summertime and, and, but not in the wintertime. And that, I wanted to know about that, you know, how come that wasn't, you know what I mean? Like there were so many, um, I had, you know, I just had questions and, and, um, you know, I just felt so comfortable there and they embraced me too. Cause I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know anything, I knew nothing, <laughs> you know, but they held on to me and, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and taught me and, and um, really just em- em- embraced my enthusiasm for what they had going on there. It was a great experience. It, it literally, like, it, I mean, it changed my life, you know, in so many ways. So you're there. And what's your next, yeah. uh, what's your next culinary stop? Well, okay, so I did that while I was working there. I was going to the, to the community college, right? But the community college wasn't like, I mean, it was powdered mashed potatoes. It was frozen vegetables. Like, it was just, it you know, looking back on it now, it was, it was very, very um, just inauthentic, you know. But when I was working for the Sea Island Inn, the chef, who's actually still the chef there now, uh, he used to enter competitions. And um, and so there was one competition called the Taste of the Thailand. And he entered it. And there was a like a sous chef competition as well. In first place uh, out of that sous chef competition, um, the prize was uh, one paid for tuition one semester at, at the Culinary Institute of America paid for. And, um, and I wound up winning that. And so my next stop was Hyde Park, New York. 
So what'd you cut? What'd you cut to win that? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but apparently it was decent. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good it blew your mind and you've completely forgot that <laughs> you probably went out drinking and went crazy after you won that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was like some solid grit cake, you know, with like a pork chop and, and some overcooked apples or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't particularly remember that, but I do remember being really, really uh, scared, nervous and happy about, you know, moving to New York and be a part of the Culinary Institute of America. So so you go to New York. What's yeah. the uh, yeah? What is because it's it's like a little outside the city because we just had um uh Hannah on she went there yeah she did she did she's great uh, okay so so back then to get to the CIA and it's very different now I, you know I I won the competition I I was enrolled but I had to have like almost like an alumni of the university come down and interview me, you know, and, and check out where I was working to, to, to see if I was, um, I guess, prepared in a lot of ways for, you know, what was coming once I arrived on campus. And I think so that did two things for me, really. You know, that let me know that, that this is very, <laughs> very serious, which it is. And that, um, you know, I didn't take academics seriously in high school, you know, so all of that would have to change and I would have to prepare myself, which I was able to do and do it well. So, you know, when I got to school, uh, in New York, um, you know, I just loved it. I, I really did. I loved being on campus. I, I'd never traveled. You know, I don't think I'd ever flown before. And I've done a lot of things like that and getting out of, getting out of Myrtle Beach. Um, you know, and I just love being on campus. I love learning. Um, I love the student potty. And, and that part of the state is really, really pretty. And, and, um, and, I, and I love being outdoors. So it was all the boxes were checked for me. It was a great experience. And, um, yeah, I mean... You know, the, the Culinary Institute of America is, uh, I think, you know, when, when you go to a vocational school like that, any vocational school like that, it is what you make of it, you know. And, and so luckily for me, I was prepared and I was fully committed for those two years uh, to do my best. I worked full time. You know, I was I was a, I didn't have a lot of help from the folks. So I got to work full time. And um, where I worked was a, a little town called Stony Creek, which is up near Saugerties, which is in the Woodstock area. You know, so I, it was it was a great experience, man. I got to see a lot of stuff and meet um, some great friends who I still have connections with uh, 20 years later. And um, yeah, I've got nothing but fond memories. So what's what was the biggest culture shock for you moving from Myrtle Beach? Never been on a plane. Oh, man. Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I can remember arriving at JFK and like. You know, I'm from the South, right? So I'm like, I'm holding the, I'm holding every door for everybody. You know what I mean? And, and, um, (laughs) (laughs) my sister, yeah, New York, they're like, uh, uh, go fuck yourself. I can hold my own door. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, I remember my sister, my oldest sister lived in Manhattan. She'd been there for quite some time. And, and I remember she, like, she had enough of that. And, and, um, yeah, she just grabbed me by the wrist and set me straight on that one. So, yeah, so that was culture shock number one. Number two was really like, um, you know, just just, <laughs> you know, just being up in that part of the country with little to no money. You know, you had to get really, really creative with what you had to make it stretch. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, between those two, that kept me pretty busy. <laughs> so you go you go there. Now, what's you did you spend more than one semester there? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, the whole money thing. I think my dad, like, like his going away thing, you know, before I got him to play, whatever it was like, here's, here's like, eight, here's 80 bucks. Good luck, son. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, that you can't walk the out the door. Right to like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a one way cab ride. To Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I had to get real creative and real resourceful. Um, but it did land me, um, you know, the third semester at the Culinary Institute of America is, is an apprenticeship. So I did wind up going to Philadelphia and working in a place called Lebec Finn. And uh, Lebec Finn was uh, what I would consider almost like the French Laundry of the East Coast, you know, between the 80s and, and 90s. And uh, and so that was an amazing experience. You know, that was a, that was like a five 
whatever five-star experience that I had never been exposed to before. So that was, you know, yeah, I tell people all the time, I learned more there in my six month apprenticeship than I did in two years at culinary institute, you know, but I wouldn't have gotten there had it not been enrolled as a student there. So who was the head chef there at the time? George Perrier, chef owner. And, and what year was this? 97 through 98. Okay. So this was like before like the internet and like you, you didn't really, cause now like all the top chefs and like stuff, they all like know what's going on and like getting stages, you like DM people and stuff. And then it's like, you had to like call or like fax your resume or (laughs) like, how'd how'd you end up landing that one? that stage there i guess it wasn't a stage but an apprenticeship yeah no well i mean it was like it was almost um you know i didn't have, have many resources jason you know what i mean so i had to, i had to figure something out i really couldn't afford manhattan um you know i wasn't gonna i didn't want to you know i wasn't i'm not a country club um style cook you know i was never into that so so that wasn't for me really um you know so i looked at dc uh, i looked at philadelphia and then of course there were some options back down south but i I'd already lived down south and I didn't want to do that. So, um, you know, I remember driving into Philadelphia and doing it. I did do a stage, uh, stage slash interview. And, um, you know, and and luckily they they signed me on, man. And, I, it, and you know, okay, and so, we agreed so to you like, so you literally it. walked at the door and was like, give me a stage. <laughs> no, I mean, there are phone calls ahead of time. You know what I mean? Okay, like, so they knew you were coming. They knew I was coming, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I remember now that Greg Gable was the executive chef there. George Perrier was, you know, chef owner, and um, and his brother Bernard uh, was in the kitchen as well. And, and um, and it was a crazy scene. It was it was uh, it was classic uh, French, loud, screaming, angry, fast-paced five-star kitchen. That's awesome. I don't know who was crazier, Bernard or George. I guess I guess <laughs> Bernard would would qualify as a little bit more crazy, but, uh, but it was wild, man. It was really wild. What's the craziest scene you saw in the kitchen there? Okay. So Bernard, so I work garbage right? Because I'm an apprentice. And, um, and so, and it's a really tell small people kitchen. What Dar- tell people what garbage is. So garbage would be like your cold prep, salad prep, cold appetizers. Um, there we did, uh, we did some dessert as well off that station, but, um, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a cold station. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, Bernard would, Bernard Perrier is George's brother and Bernard would work Garmage. He would expo Garmage. Um, so every day before service, he would have fish and he would have, right. And sometimes it was one glass of wine. Sometimes it was three glasses of wine. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day it was three glasses of wine. And uh, somebody made the mistake of putting a metal cloche on his station. And um, and so uh, Bernard had a – let me just say Bernard had a temper. And so that day uh, Bernard took the metal cloche and then another uh, stainless steel tray. And this is all like you know super bougie like French service, right? And just threw it basically over his head like that. And, uh, and, and I'm in the back prepping my station. Um, you know, all these precision cuts, you know, these, these – tomato diamonds, Herico bear cut in, in a precise length. And, um, and so whenever he threw that, everything, uh, you know, shattered glass, all the mise en place had to be thrown away. We we're opening in 20 minutes, you know, so it was one of those scenes where, <laughs> wait, so why did he, you know, throw it? Was he, so he got mad at somebody. Yeah, somebody put a metal close in the wrong spot and it happened to be where he liked to eat his dinner and drink his wine before I service. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, just picture like three apprentices running downstairs to, to basically prep everything over again. You know, that takes three hours, but we have 20 minutes until service starts. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And there is nothing uh, you can do about it. <laughs> yeah. You just like, you roll with the punches. So, what's the like, what's the, what's something you learned there that you've taken now? I'm sure it's a bunch of things, but what's like, Something that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the main thing was just standards, you know, how, how to raise your, how to raise your standards and maintain those standards, you know? And, and, um, and I remember just being like, 
you know, if I parked five blocks away, uh, you know, and, and was walking into the kitchen. By the time I got the, the three blocks away, you know, I had the butterflies and the nervousness, and and it wasn't really about performing. It was just about letting the other team members down, you know. So there was a whole lot of them. Um, you know, it was just a big transition for me. I'd never experienced a kitchen like that before. You know, I'd, I'd never experienced, uh, you know, an operation where nothing less than perfection would be accepted, you know. And so, but I am proud to say by the time my apprenticeship was done, I got invited back to work, you know, which is basically all you can really ask for when you're, when you're in a situation like that. And, um, and, and so that was like, that meant the world. That was a huge badge of honor for me. That's awesome. I got to say this so, too, I loved it. I loved it. So after that, where'd you go? So you go back to school. So that's semester three, and then you go back for um, semester four and five. So, so after, yeah, so, so you're like, so after you've had a taste of that, you're like, I'm done with school. <laughs> I'm ready to I get wish. out of the real world. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wanted to stay there, but I couldn't, you know. And uh, and part of that was because, um, you know, that my employers back at back in Myrtle had helped contribute to, uh, you know, some of the tuition costs. It's a very expensive program, you know, so I needed all the help I could get. So I had to go back and graduate and then return back to Myrtle Beach to go back to return to work uh, at the Sea Island Inn. So you worked at the Sea Island Inn back there? Yeah, yep. And so I was there for, you know, about another year. And um, and then at that time, you know, the chef that I was working for had left and they wound up promoting me to executive chef. Um you know, of that, of this little boutique hotel, which of course I wasn't ready for. And, um, and all that, you know, I was completely <laughs> exposed and, and, um, it was, it was an, uh, a gigantic learning curve. Um, you know, something that I held on to for many, many years. Um, uh, but after that, I went up, um, you know, I realized that, I, that I, you know, I wasn't done training, you know, and I had a lot to learn. And so I reached out to a friend of mine who worked in Washington, and uh, he had an opportunity for me to come up and live and, and work in a great restaurant, which I wound up doing. The only issue was that with that is that uh, it was 2001, uh, you know, coming into late summer, August and September 2001 in Washington, D.C. So I wound up moving to D.C. and, and living with him. And, um, and we all know what happened uh, on September 11th. So how did that. So so you're living. So what was that experience like on that day? Well, um, it was uh, it was really dramatic, to be honest with you. You know, we lived uh, in Great Falls, which was near, um, very near to the Pentagon uh, and the Beltway. So there was just a lot of activity there and um, a lot of uncertainty. And um, the restaurant we worked in was actually 20 minutes to the west in Leesburg, Virginia. And, um, you know, and I remember um, that afternoon you know, after some of the smoke had cleared, you know, and there's some stability in the air, we had to go out to the restaurant, you know, as, as sous chefs and probably ice some shellfish down or something like that, secure the restaurant. We weren't sure what was going to happen next. And, um, but we got on the beltway to head west and, um, you know, and there were surfaced air missiles planted, you know, inside the cloverleaf uh, on the interstate uh, in Washington, D.C. It was, it was quite crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine being like I because I went to NYU and it was a few years after that. But people talking about being in New York during that time and like D.C. That was a scary time because you didn't because you didn't know, like at the time, you didn't know when it was going to end. Like if there was going to be another attack or what was going to happen for a while. Yeah. Yeah. My sister was in Manhattan. We couldn't get a hold of her until that afternoon or evening. It was a long day. Yeah. So, so what happened after, uh, so you're working at the restaurant Leesburg. Yeah. And so, um, so everybody stops going out to eat, you know, Washington DC, Yeah. you know, and, um, the chef I worked for, um, he, yeah, he was a younger chef. Uh, he was married, um, just a great family. It was a really cool, um, you know, it was really cool to meet him and, uh, you know, his, his parents and his brother and like, you know, it was just, a, it was a small business um that they all believed in you know but um you know obviously with everything going on with 9-11 and um everybody's um you know personal situations uh you know sales came to a screeching halt so we wound up making 
what happened was we wound up making uh, New Year's Eve our last shift. And uh, so we worked through New Year's Eve. I had a big blowout. And then soon after that, I returned to Myrtle Beach. Um, car was packed up. And I returned to Myrtle Beach to go work for my dad as a waiter. Oh, so full circle that. So why were you so, done? Like, were you like, were you like this isn't working out, the chefing thing? I'm just going to come back and be a waiter? Never crossed my mind, really. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do next, you know. And, and I knew that, um, uh, you know, I, I would have to go home and, and – you know, kind of circle the wagons, you know, and, and, you know, see what my next step was going to be. But the irony behind all that is, is when I returned to Myrtle Beach is when I met uh, my children's mom. She was actually a manager for my dad at his restaurant. And so uh, that's always such a, uh, um, you know, we, we talk about um, Triumph out a Tragedy, you know, especially 2020. And, and that was a really cool example of Triumph out a Tragedy, you know, in my life after 9-11, because I met, um, you know, I met Tracy and now we have two beautiful kids. We're not together anymore, but we have two beautiful kids um, that often wonder, you know, if things have not worked out the way they did, you know, you know, would yeah. they be a part of my life? You know what I mean? So, so it's one of those yeah. situations where it's like, um, you know, that's a, uh, you know, it's a blessing. So how'd you, so you had to get to Charlotte somehow. How'd you get to Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you know, along the, along you know, the path, you know, that we've kind of covered substance abuse, you know, had been an undercurrent in my life. And, um, you know, really since, uh, you know, I was early teenage years. And, um, and so what happened was she and I got together and I, and I, and I was working in Myrtle beach and, um, you know, but the progressiveness of the disease that I have and alcoholism and addiction, you know, was catching up with me. And so I, I wound up having to check into a treatment center. So I actually went to two, um, you know, and, and while I was in treatment, um, you know, Tracy and the kids moved to Charlotte. And, uh, and so whenever I was, whenever I completed treatment, uh, uh, I moved here because they were there and that's exactly how it happened. And then where'd you start working in Charlotte? So, yeah, my first Charlotte job was Dakota's, which is now new South work for Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Chris is amazing. You know, his whole family over there is amazing. And the food's really good. And it was, um, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was the perfect place at the perfect time for me. There was someone yeah. else who'd worked there. Uh, I'm sure a bunch of people worked there. I forget who it was that was on the podcast. But yeah, um, that meatloaf, meatloaf is, is money, man. Meatloaf is good. Yvonne loves meatloaf. It's not to send her over there. <laughs> yeah, try <laughs> So, so you're working there. And yeah. Then where, and then where else? Where else have you been around Charlotte? So I go from there to uh, Gene Briggs gives me a call, or I called him, you know, at some point. And this is back when Blue was. Big. You remember Blue? Oh yeah. Yeah, Blue and um, I grew up in I yeah, grew up in Fort Mill, so. Oh, you did. So you know all about that. So yeah, so I worked for for Gene. That was next, and um, and we cooked Mediterranean food. And um, it was really, really cool, you know, and, and um, you know, I, t- I kind of tiptoed into Mediterranean food before, but I really hadn't experienced like North African flavors, um, Sharmoula, um, you know, some of the stuff that he was doing, which which at the time, of course, was cutting edge to me. And um, so that was a re- really, really valuable time uh, for me as, as a young cook. And I eventually moved up to be a sous chef for him. And and then we even opened up table down in Ballantyne. And yep. um, I think the table was table was a little bit ahead of its time, you know, in that location and, and um, for the food that we were doing. And uh, I think the concept that that they had had, uh, but it was still a great experience, man. Yeah. Valentine's a interesting demographic. Isn't for, the, it? for the higher for the higher. Well, if you're trying to do like something not a steakhouse, it's just like they that's like very it's kind of interesting because I haven't really thought about it, but it's just people who like, they don't think of food in the way probably we do. Like they think like a nice restaurant is like going to a steakhouse. Like that's like the nice restaurant. Just that's just how they grew up. And that's like their little community over there. And they haven't, um, you know, whereas uptown, you've got more younger people who maybe have moved from a different place in the country and they're used to like different, types of foods and that's maybe why we've seen like 
more stuff happen there, and then it'll eventually get everywhere. But yeah, it's a different demographic yeah. there. Yeah, I agree 100%. And um, yeah, and it was reflected in there, um, kind of the way the restaurant was received. But um, you know, nonetheless, man, we had some fun, and, and it was a beautiful experience. And um, I got to see Gene create his, um, you know, his dream kitchen. We had this suite there um, that was absolutely amazing and, um, you know, and beautiful. And, and we had a good time. And, like, it was me and Jamie Lynch and um, uh, Chef Ben, who's now with Wolfgang Puck. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that, um, you know, there's a, a strong pretty good alumni presence. Yeah, a strong alumni presence from uh, the Gene Briggs and Alex Meyer days. Super proud of that. So where'd you go after table? So then I, I – um, I went up, um, it was my first stint with Upstream and Tom Condor in the Harper's group. Yeah. yeah. So, That's um, and that was, that so was what a powerhouse, So that was man. 2017 when you got there? No, this is my, this is my first run. This would be, um, gosh, 2007. Oh, so 2007, that way, 2008. So that's, when did, that's like when Upstream opened. Like, when did Upstream open? Well, this this year was our 20th year. Uh, okay, so it had been around a little so, bit. I remember when Yeah, Phil's, so it had been around a little bit. I guess that made sense. I remember when Phil's Place opened, because that was like the fancy movie theater. Like, if you took your date. I actually had my first date at the Phil's movie theater. I was probably, I don't know, 14. My parents dropped me off. I remember it was Ocean's yeah. Eleven. Um, <laughs> and I got like super into it. And I think the girl like wanted to like hold hands, probably like just hold hands or make out or something. But I was like into the movie, and that was the needs, last man. date we went on. <laughs> I can relate to that. But yeah, upstream was definitely like, I mean, I. I was in high school then, so it's like, you know, I wasn't going to Upstream, but I just remember, like, my parents would go there, and, like, that was, like, and it's still, you know, up till now, super nice restaurant in South Park that people like to go to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it you know, back then it was a powerhouse. I remember one of my first shifts there, we did, like, um, it was, like, a, like, a $28,000 and you know, twenty thousand dollars sales night, right? You know, which is like, uh, which is extremely busy. You know what I mean? Like you're doing really, really yeah. nice, refined food. You know, at a very fast pace. <laughs> you know, I don't know how. I don't remember how I did that night, but I, I knew I loved it. One more of it, and so I stayed on board there. But um, they also had ARPA. They had a bunch of restaurants. One of them was ARPA. ARPA was downtown uh, where King's Kitchen is now on, on the corner of Church and Trade, so, uh, and they needed a chef. So uh, that was my next stop. I, I quickly, quickly got promoted to chef of cuisine at ARPA, and um, and so that was my next stop. I was there for about a year and a half. I don't think I ever went there. That was uh, – ARPA's a great restaurant, man. It was really cool. Because they have – small plates. Um, yeah. yeah. That was before – that was before my time. The cool like that that's like so you like that that time in charlotte so what was it like in charlotte then like the culinary scene because it's completely different now man you know what it, it was like um it had potential but it hadn't re- you know what i mean like it was it was every everything um every, Customers it, it seemed like arpa, for what you're arpa doing. was like a lot of people's favorite restaurant you know because it was small plates it was different um, you know, it, it had, you know, we, we were doing things that other restaurants weren't doing, you know, but still, I think the comfort level for, um, you know, the general public, general restaurant public was still very much like crab cake, steak, mashed potatoes, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, you know what I mean? With, with the exception of a couple handful of restaurants, but, but that, like, that was the general vibe and, and, um, um, but I would like to think, you know, that, that what Tom was doing and, and, uh, you know, what ARPA was doing at the time had it. You know, had a small, th- you know, had a small say in uh, where we are now. Oh, for sure, because those restaurants, you know, everything just keeps building. Like, just you. I mean, you you can see like you worked at these places and then like took what you learned there and kept just moving along, getting the scene. Yeah, where I mean, I work with great chefs, man. Great chefs. You know, it's 
it's funny, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's, it's, you know, I had the privilege of working for some guys that were somewhere ahead of their time. Some were just really, really good. And some were, um, you know, just were a, a lot of things to me. You know, Chris was very blue collar at, at Dakota's. Gene Briggs was the probably the most organized chef I've ever worked for, um, you know, in, in my in, in my career. You know, just the way he handled things, organized things, looked at numbers, um, delegated to his staff. Um, Tom Condren, at beast mode. You know, like you know, he'd be in the in the in the restaurant, in the kitchen at 5 a.m. You know, until when as long as it took. You know, if that was 10 p.m., 11 p.m. or whatever, and repeat it. You know, and Tom was the one who instilled. Um, you know, very much a, a, a hands-on blue-collar mentality in me. Um, you know, just by um, just by getting to work, work side by side with him and seeing how he did things, and how he, um, you know, how he accomplished success in restaurants. He was, always, you know, and always wanted to like stay connected to the food. You know, from um, you know, from the beginning until we played it up, you know, and, and I was really drawn to that. And um, I'm super grateful for him. And, you know, it meant a lot to me. And it still does. I'm still that way. I, I still would. I would. I've, I never exploded at uh, upstream. Not ever. Not even one night, I don't think. And, um, uh, you know, because I always want to stay connected to the food and, and uh, be a part of the cooking process. And, um, you know, because I enjoy it. And I'm still that way now with your farm to your table. I'm always cooking. That's cool. So go go quickly through the other restaurants you've been to, so we can talk about what you're doing now. Yeah. So uh, so no, I was at BLT for a bit. I was at um, Lotus in Gastonia, um, you know, for a good couple of years, and and um, and then I was at Hamptons in Sumter, South Carolina, um, and I was there for two years, and I got to work for uh, one of Patrick O'Connell from the Inn of Little Washington's, one of his chefs um, who, who runs things down there, and and um. Uh, and amazing, the absolute hands down, the best cook that I've ever worked with in my life. And so I was really lucky to work with him for a couple of years. And, and, um, then I, uh, I was down there and then I came back to Charlotte and I worked for Fran at Fran's filling station and then, um, upstream. And now your farm to your table, chef owner. I love it. Yeah. I want, I really want to go to in at little Washington. I've never been there and it's not that far. Yeah. 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 It's quite an experience. You know, here. Hannah worked there. We've got a couple of people in Charlotte that have worked there, but yeah, yeah I didn't she know she knew worked the chef there. I worked for in... Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't think she had a good experience, but she did know, um, Raphael, the guy I worked for down in, in Sumter. Um, and they were good friends. Raphael's a good guy. Yeah, that's cool. So, so talk about what you're doing now. First of all, you're working for Christian McCaffrey, which is cool. Yeah, How'd you pull cool. off that gig? Um, like with Christian McCaffrey and a chef. Yeah, well, um, maybe we can start with, um, you know, just being furloughed from upstream. So, you know, March 17th, I get furloughed from upstream, laid off, whatever. Um, you know, I think the next day or the day after, I get a call from Isaac over at Harmony Ridge Farms. I've been doing business with Isaac for years. And um, and so he's he just lost 26 wholesale accounts in, in downtown Charlotte and surrounding areas. Doesn't know what so he's going to do. You, with so when you got when you got laid off, did you see it coming? No, absolutely not. No, you know I was so dialed in on on upstream and um and <laughs> I hate to say it because it sounds so cliche, but 2020 was going to be our year, right? <laughs> um, we can I laugh about it. You now. know, I wasn't I wasn't in the COVID orbit at all. We can, can't we? Um, yeah, no, I I. It, I was totally blindsided, to be honest with you. Totally blindsided. Okay, so you get the call from Isaac. So, yeah, so I get the call from Isaac. Isaac doesn't know what he's going to do. Um, I had actually, whenever I got furloughed, uh, I drove over to, uh, I was told to get in, the, in line at a, at a unemployment, you know, get on a, get in an unemployment queue or whatever, you know, and, and I really wasn't, I wasn't into that. And um, because I was able to, right? You know, I was still able. There's, you know, I, f- I felt like I, I, I just wanted to work. And so I wound up going to Amazon and getting a job in the in the um, warehouse there. And that was what I was going to do until Upstream opened back up. Well, the thing with Amazon was that um, I was hired, but they couldn't start me until April 4th. And so this is this is all really like a really cool part of the conversation because um, had I started that day, I don't think your farm, your table would exist, right? And so. Um, 
so you know so i get the job they can't start me till april 4th i don't know what i'm gonna do um i get this call from isaac and um isaac doesn't know what he's gonna do with all his crops and so i i i, I knew i wanted to cook i knew i wanted to somehow serve the community you know because it was i just felt like it was necessary for me on a personal level and um and so what i came up with was to go to farms or farmers markets and you know and buy whatever they had you know whatever however i could support them i would i would i would buy whatever they had and then take it back to the house and engineer a three-course menu based on whatever it was i bought that day and the menu would change every single day and the reason why the menu would change every day is that um whatever they had i could buy it right so i wasn't stuck with you know a, a broccoli dish or an asparagus dish or whatever you know what i mean so um so it was like no strings attached support and um you know, it's, um, uh, you know, and that, that paid dividends big time. Um, but, uh, and then I borrowed from the restaurant week template, three courses, 30 bucks. And so what I did was, um, I did three courses, cooked everything in my apartment, which this is where I am now, um, packaged everything myself, delivered it myself. And, um, and I think I just wanted to do 10 meals a day, six days a week. Um, you know, and that would help pay my daughter's Invisalign bill <laughs> and pay my car payment, <laughs> you know, and keep me from being evicted. You got to understand this is all early COVID days. And, um, oh, yeah, you know, we and no so knew what was going to happen, how long it was, was going to take. So scary. Yeah, it was so scary for me. And, um, for a lot of people, that was my plan. And, um, and I was only going to do it until upstream opened back up. Well, one thing led to another and Charlotte agenda ran a review. They'd ordered the food. I didn't know this was happening, but they ordered the food, loved it. Um, wrote about it. Uh, and, um, next thing I know, I go from t doing 10 meals a day to 20 and even 30 meals a day out of my apartment. And, um, so then I had my sister who, uh, was furloughed as well. She's, she's a teacher. She's a fourth grade teacher. So I had her come over and, um, help me organize packaging and, and our delivery systems and all that. And so, uh, those are the early days of your farm to your table. So that's super cool. How, um, so now with your farm table, you don't do it every day. Six days. Or do you do it every, so you do do it every day. So, you, so, how, so tell people how you, this is how, this is Yvonne. Yvonne handles all the ordering. She's, she's the order. Right. I, I'm the eater. Right. I just, I just right. get there and eat. So, and you move and you move to, um, the, the commissary at uh i forget where you're cooking now city kitchen yeah city kitchen with yeah. uh and you've got a good it seems like a good group of people there so how do you go like how do you go about ordering if if you're me and oh. you want to get an order and like how often i know you change the menu up like all the time yeah i mean i've never done the same menu twice ever um, so you get a website, yourfarmsyourtable.com, and um, and you choose what day, and choose however number of meals you want to order, uh, and everything is like everything can be handled right there on the site. And how far ahead do you have to order? Um, you know, at least a couple of days ahead, I would recommend. You know, we sell out quite often. <laughs> you know, depending on what day of the week it is. You know, we have some softer days, but for the most part, you know, I recommend anybody to you know to kind of stay ahead of the game by a couple of days. So what's your capacity? Like, what's the maximum that you do a day? 40. That's crazy. So 40 That's meals. awesome. So each meal, each meal is, um, you know, it's three courses. So, you know, if we, whenever we do 40 meals. So it's kind uh, of like, and the meals are really good. So you're, um, uh, like kind of doing like a tasting course, like, fancy restaurant thing because your plate i'm yes. sure like the plating you're doing 120 plates like kind of what you were doing at a night at one of these fancy restaurants where they had 40 exactly. seats <laughs> and you're and you're getting exactly. a chance to the menu every day That's yeah i mean cool. it's cool that you mentioned that because i did i went from from upstream you know doing precision plating precision cooking you know to to go food right I mean, it is it is an absolute, um, <laughs> you know, we're shifting all kinds of gears here and it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's actually really difficult, you know, whether or not if you're cooking fish, 
um, you know, and, and um, say you're cooking fish and, you know, we have, uh, you know, 40 meals going out. So you have 40 different pieces of fish. You know, you, you don't want the fish to arrive at the guest's residence. You know, if you're bringing the restaurant to the residence, you know, overcooked, you know, so you have to cook the fish 80 percent or 85 percent. Right. You know, and then you have that 15 percent window. And um, so, you know, so what I'm saying is there's a whole lot of learning curve going on. And, and um, you know, the mission is to be as good, you know, as, as we possibly can, if not, um, you know, better than an actual restaurant experience under the circumstances of quarantine and COVID. Um, so it so it was it was quite a shift for me. And, and um, you know, and we're still learning along the way. It's, it's, it's not as simple as just doing to go food. I can tell you that. Yeah, I think it's cool to because I mean, obviously, COVID has affected so much, but you've seen like this is one of the cool parts of COVID. We've seen people adapt. And like, if you look like some of the best restaurants in the country, like Alinea, they're making a killing off their to go dishes. And like people like you have figured out how to make like super high end dishes, but to go because it is complicated. Like, when you're at a restaurant, you're kind of in control of everything. You're plating everything. You're bringing it to the person's table. And now there's like a yeah. hundred variables from when it gets like, what if the driver's insane? Like, what if the person doesn't have the right, like, so there's so many more variables that you have to get to get to that final step. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is. I mean, you know, and as far as like, you, you know, you mentioned the, the pricing and all that stuff. What also what I wanted to, to make sure that we instilled, you know, as a, as a company with community culture was that you know, I everything got 30 bucks and work my way around uh, like the, uh, you know, the food cost economics and, and, uh, you know, and, and menu structure. But what I, what I set out to do and, and we're still at $30 for three meals is I wanted something that anybody in the community, whether it be, the underprivileged on the west side of Charlotte, um, the Christian McCaffrey's of our neighborhood, you know, and, and everywhere in between. And um, and so that's that's been a, a large part of our mission. Um, yeah, when it comes down to cooking and, and, you know, producing center of the plate foods to go, you know, to where I might cook it at five o'clock and it arrives at six thirty. There's all kinds of, um, you know, balls to juggle there. For example, like, you know, we might have rice with with uh you know with swordfish or whatever you know and, and the rice comes out hot the swordfish is, is 80 percent done we can't put the swordfish on top of the rice what's in the to-go box because it'll keep cooking with the rice right you know what i mean so there's all kinds of stuff um so what i've learned along the you, way is trying to make it a better product yeah what's something you didn't think was going to work and it actually worked out really well to go something oh wow um yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, let me think. Um, gosh. Well, I guess you know, I guess a lot of. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. If you figured out one, I was kind of pausing. If you couldn't figure out something. So yeah, I mean trick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's it's one of those situations. I guess I would have to lean into. Um, cooking vegetables really to be honest with you so they so they're done um they're well represented we're we're representing we're honorably representing the suppliers the farmers whoever we bought them from you know to make sure that um you know that uh you know they're in good hands with us they're seasoned well they're creative it's delicious and visually it still looks good by the time it arrives to the guest residence yeah and i have to say like we got our meal last week and it was awesome like Super good. Thank yeah, you. Don't have yeah. any complaints about anything. Yeah. And it was a lot, like, it was a good amount of food. Like, it was perfect dinner size. Yeah, I mean, abundance is, is very important to me. You know, it, it really is because, um, you know, it. I think it just, it just needs to have – there's a certain comfort level, I think, whenever you're not overfed, but there's um, – um, there's a level of, of value and visual abundance, you know what I mean? You're eating and pouring out, you know, and, and I think that, that that helps with the relationship building between myself or my team and whoever it is I'm cooking for. Yeah. So what um so tell us how you got with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, so um this is kind of a funny story. Uh, um 
I get a call. I get a message on Messenger. Messenger's so weird, man. Um, Facebook Messenger? Yeah, it, it really is, you know. Yeah, it's, when it's, anyone, it's, it's like your grandmother, and, like, sometimes it's, like, important people, and it's just strange. <laughs> I just, everything, like, my my dad sends me, like, right-wing, like, attachments left and right, and I'm always like, yeah. dad, I'm never going to open these, man. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh we didn't talk about Bobby Flay, but that's how I got the Bobby Flay uh, application was through Messenger. And, and so they, they wind up sending me messages on Messenger, and I never returned that's them. And so finally, weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But um, but that's what happened. And finally, a, a friend of mine who worked for me at Upstream during my first tenure there uh, worked for Food Network, and he wound up calling me. And he was like, look, dude, uh, you know, Bobby Flay, the team is trying to get in touch with you. They wanted to put you on the show. But you're not answering their messages. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he wants to email me or call me or whatever, you know what I mean? But, um, so that that's how all that happened. And obviously, I wound up doing the show and, and doing well with it. But um, but with the McCaffrey thing, um, a, a chef of a restaurant. Wait, wait, how was before you know that? What was yeah. Bobby Flay like? He was great, man. He was great. I mean, he was really cool. I was. I, I didn't really surprise me because I always felt like he was he was kind of true to himself over the years. And um, you know what's funny about that situation is that a lot of people don't like Bobby Flay. Like I got a lot of messages about go up there and and um, you know quote unquote kick Bobby Flay. Why don't they like Bobby Flay? Well, I never. Flay? I don't know, man. Like he's a high school dropout. You know, he's he's he he loves food. He's done cooking. He's opened restaurants. You know, he's made it, he's made a life for himself, and and um, he's good. So, um, but to answer your question, he was great. We talked a, about a lot of things, man, um, mostly food related, some not, and everything. <laughs> we had some fun, you know. Bob Saget was a judge, and and Bob had had a couple <laughs> drinks. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen that episode? No, I haven't. Um, if you ever get a I don't chance, know how I out, haven't man. seen it. I love Bob Saget. We saw uh, Yvonne and I saw him when he came to the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, Bob and he's uh, drunk as shit. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna post like this episode. Six... I'm gonna post this episode. Everyone's gonna watch it now. Um, cool. And yeah, this sounds amazing. So what was he just like? Did they have to cut out a lot of Bob Saget? <laughs> so much, so much editing. But listen, man, because we're we're there at the studio, right? And um, you know, and and so there's certain lines that they have to say, and so they're warming up, you know, they're whatever they're doing their intros or whatever yeah. else, and um, and I'm I'm backstage like waiting to waiting to go on or whatever, and um, and it's clear that Bob Saget can't say what he's supposed to say. Like all this is new to me. Like I'm not gonna pretend like I knew what was going on. I just knew that people were getting pissed, and um, Ann Burrell was his co-host, you know, and I I know that you know we can all feel tension in the air, and, and um, and Bob Saget. <laughs> couldn't get his lines right i think he came straight from the club yeah i mean even during the episode there was there was one point where he's like well considering how this is my first time on the show and most likely my last you know i'll just continue <laughs> on with my diatribe <laughs> whatever it was he was talking about so um, yeah where man, did it, you it was film that was, was that in california no it was midtown manhattan Oh, even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That was, that was a fun trip. Yeah. I ate. I ate a bu- at a bunch of restaurants. I filmed Bobby Flay. I went up winning. Um, you know, they they paid for the, they paid for the flight. They paid for the room. They paid for the car. It was great. It was a good trip. That's awesome. Where did you eat when you went there? Oh, where did I? I ate a lot of places, man. We went to a place called Ferris, which was really really good. Um, I ate at Toto Yakitori. Uh, which blew yeah. my mind. Do you know that place? Uh huh. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, Toto. Yeah, I went to Toto, and um, and I think I ordered. I basically just ordered half, the, like the entire page of the right side of the menu. <laughs> and um, you know, I was doing, I was practicing uh robotayaki at uh at Upstream. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I was just glued to the chefs in the back, and um, you know, as I ate, you know, it was it was so educational and I learned so much and um, it was really delicious and it's not something that you find around here. So I was really excited to, uh, to take advantage of it. And then after that, it was like, you know, it was whatever uh, I could find in Chinatown. Uh, we did, 
I mean, we went to a bunch of places, mostly hole in the walls, like, you know, nameless yeah, places. Yeah, that's the best thing to do the- is, like, you just go there and it's just, that's so good. That's, like, the Nets, that's what Charlotte doesn't have a lot of. I mean, we're starting to get yeah. there, but, like, just, like, every place you go in New York is, as long as it's not in Times Square, is yeah. pretty good. Because they, they won't survive. Like, yeah. the rent's so high. Like, if you suck, you're not, people aren't going to go there. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, no, I had a had a good time, man. We ate a bunch of great food and um, that's you know, awesome. And wind up um, and you got to see Bob yeah, Saget. Bobby Flay. Play, but so. hey, let me and and Bob Saget. Bob Bobby Flay was cool until he lost and he was pissed. <laughs> he was real. Did mad. he mention? He did he mention mad. Giada at all? Apparently, there's like Yvonne says that they were hooking up. Her and him and Giada. <laughs> no, we didn't cover that one. Maybe next. <laughs> <laughs> that's time you gotta ask him. okay how'd you meet so how'd you get to christian mccaffrey so um all right so you know this is probably gosh man maybe a month and a half ago i get a call from a chef and um uh, you know he wants to know whether or not i'd be interested in doing a uh you know this personal chef um commitment you know for a local athlete he didn't tell me who it was and um and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, but I'm open to having a conversation. You know, and he said the guy is, uh, you know, had been, uh, I guess, following the website, and it's exactly what, what he saw I was doing was exactly what he's looking. For. And so one thing led to another, and it turned out to be McCaffrey. And uh, so McCaffrey and I had a conversation, and um, that soon led to, uh, I just cooked for him one night at his condo downtown, and uh, and. Every, everything that I was doing aligned with what he was looking for. And um, and so it's been a really good match ever since. So I take care of his breakfast, his lunch, and his dinner um, at one of his, you know, he has two homes here in the area. So one of his two homes, you know, I'm, I'm there either at 630 in the morning, uh, noon, uh, or between 7 and 8 at night taking care of his meals. And I asked you before, but, like, what do you – like cooking for a professional athlete, like what are your, like, are there any restrictions? Like how yeah. do you go within his diet? Cause you don't want to make him fat and then he can't run. And then everyone in Charlotte's pissed at you. Right. <laughs> Trust me. I feel the weight, man. I feel the weight. You know, listen, it's, it's like, this It's like, it's gluten-free, dairy-free, you know, but what I do, um, you know, especially at your farms, your tables is, you know, I build most of the menus around the vegetables. You know, it's very, you know, it, it used to be the other way around for me where I would build a menu around. Right. And so now it's, yeah. you know, it's most of the menu is, is veg, vegetable based. Um, but in Christian's case, um, you know, I do have I do have access to, um, you know, all the purveyors, um, you know, that I had it upstream. You know, so uh, so whether it's, you know, a whole fish night, you know, we did black bass the other night, um, you know, or duck um, or some local eggs for breakfast, you know, in key, like a quinoa bowl or, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, I just try to take care of it the best I can. And, and um, it has to be gluten free or dairy free. There's only restrictions for him. Are there like certain calorie counts he goes to or just as long as it's clean, he's good? Clean. Yeah, clean. You know, and and that sounds like it's it's really generic, but having a conversation with him and, and listening to him and how he understands uh, what works for him, what works for his body, what works for his training regimen this time of year, you know, and yeah. um, you know, and how in tuned he is to how he feels, you know, how he sleeps, um, how he breathes, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it, and um, and and so you know the the best thing I can do is, is listen to him and, um, you know, pick up on any, any directions that he may or may not have or may have and, um, you know, and, and move forward accordingly. That's cool. Has there been any, uh, like cool guests he's had over that you can speak uh, to? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, you know, his girlfriend lives with him and, uh, and, and she's really great, and she eats dinner with him pretty much every night, and that's Olivia Culpo. Yeah, she's some celebrity. I don't. I'm not into the celebrity scene, so I don't know. But yeah. Well, I'll tell I you know, what. I know, she's I'll like a like supermodel, this, right? You know, well, she was like she was like Miss Universe. Like she's done a lot of things, 
But I didn't know who she was. Listen to this. I didn't know who she was until <laughs> like I told you, I'm one of five kids, right? Four sisters. So I like yeah. I cook for her one night or whatever, and then um, you know, I get a call from one of my sisters and she Do you know who that is? And I'm like, It's Christian's girlfriend. And she's like, No, uh uh-uh. that's Olivia Culpo, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So that's so that's I'm, how I would be. I'd so be like, like, I don't know who this woman is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and, yeah, that's we have that in common as well. But um, but let me just tell you, man, I mean, both of them are super down to earth. I think, um, you know, she has a restaurant background. Her family has restaurants in, in uh, Rhode Island. I think it is. And, um, you know, and, and they're, they're both just salts of the earth people. And, and I couldn't be any, um, you know, prouder to cook for both of them. That's to be awesome. honest with you. You know, and I think it's I think it's it's really cool to be able to say, all right, you know, for, uh, Christian for dinner tonight, man, you're going to get, um, you know, some heirloom carrots from Waxhaw. Right. You're going to get these um, these beautiful, beautiful, beautifully glazed Hikiri turnips um, from North Mecklenburg County. Uh, you're going to get for your dessert tonight um, these roasted apples from Western North Carolina. But listen to this. You're going to get some granola that my girl down at Matthews Farmers Markets makes and brings to the market every week and then it's also going to be some mint grown in, in a you know in, in take a k that's going to finish up the dish and um you know he's completely supportive of the community which is um you know icing on the cake in a situation like this that's awesome i hope one day i'm rich enough where i can have you cook for me three times a day that's a, that's a life it, man <laughs> let's do it you said it's accounting season right yeah, we gotta. We're gonna have to triple our prices. Um, <laughs> the okay. So tell us. So when you're not, you're a busy man. Where else do you like to eat around town? Oh yeah, great. Um, I like uh, tacos El Nevado. Oh yeah, that's on Central. I just went there you for the first that. time. That's like yeah. I need to go back. Like I thought it was really good, but I took them home. I wish I would have eaten them like right there, the tacos, because they no, were. No, you got to stay. You got to stay there and get waited on and do the whole thing right there, Jason. I'm telling you, man, because okay, so whenever next time you're in there, you order. If you can peer over the um the like the wall or divider or whatever it is, yeah, you can see the ladies' tortillas after you order, and uh, that's like you know I worked in Mexico City, um you know in 2009, 2010. <laughs> we didn't talk about well, that, but I did. You didn't mention what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was down there, and um, and that was that's the closest thing flavor-wise that I can that I can I can remember and have experienced ever since then. So I love that place. Um, you know, obviously I was in upstream, um, so I love sashimi. You know, I I love love well cooked rice for sushi. And my go-to place for that is Oku over in South End. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, you know, I was at Little Kids and they loved it. This um, this anchovy mayo or anchovy aioli or something like that. It's it's really really good. You know, so whenever I do go out to eat, um, normally it's not just me. I have kids involved, so that's a family decision, and so. Uh, we approach it as such and, and take it from there. You, you know what I mean? Oh, I I know. But I, I don't have any. I gotta get. I gotta get to Lee and Louise. I gotta get to Fina Fettel. Um, I've gotta get to uh, yeah, Paul's new restaurant whenever he opens it back up. You know, there's there's I've got some catch up to do, but, but um, you know, hopefully I'll have some free time. Yeah. Well. COVID will be over soon in the next four to five years, and then we'll be able to all do it a lot easier. <laughs> okay, so last question. <laughs> yeah. 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 What's What's the best thing you ate this week? Ooh. The best thing. Oh, so check this out. So, um, my son cooked and uh, and he made his ribeye last night in cast iron skillet. He, he made a medium rib- rare, and he roasted my son. He's 13. Damn. Yeah. He's gonna be fourth generation. Yeah, he love. He just loves it, man. He loves loves it. He's like, Dad, I got this. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I mean, he he's just into it. So he so he seared me exactly the right temperature, you know, so that whenever you add the steak, you don't lose too much heat. 
He creates this crust. Uh, he turns it over the exact right time, lets it rest. Uh, we had it last night. It was great. And then we had some mushrooms that were cooked in the, uh, you know, and the juices from the beef that we cooked, you know, in the pan and um and some zucchini. And that was it. So uh, had a ribeye last night that my son made, some zucchini, a couple mushrooms, and it was perfect. It's good for the soul, man. Uh, that sounds uh, delicious. Maybe I'll just hire him as my personal chef. There you go. There you go. A little better rate. <laughs> yeah man no, um, you know i you know I, we talked about it we touched on it a little bit earlier you know whenever we got started you know cooking and, and food is super emotional for me and, and um you know so i don't need a lot of bells and whistles when it comes down to flavor and and um you know that um that feeling i get whenever i eat something that's really really uh well prepared and delicious and and so last night whenever he made that steak um that's the feeling I felt. Man. It, was, it was the best thing I ate all week. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, so tell us where we can order yourself. Your tagline should be, if it's good enough for Christian McCaffrey, it's good enough for you. You should. Yeah, you go, man. I don't know if he's going to be okay with that, but uh, an idea. So tell us how we order from how we yeah. find you and order. Yeah, so my website. Meat. Yeah. My website is your farms, your Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Chef Sam Diminich. And I want to plug that because the Your Farms, Your Table menu changes every single day. But um, normally throughout the day as I'm prepping, as I'm cooking, you know, you'll find little hints, um, you know, pictures or suggestions on my on my Instagram stories that indicate what's going to come that night. You know, uh, yeah, menu we'll, we'll you get find. some nuggets. You get some nuggets, man. Yeah. So we have a lot of fun with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, so – uh, yeah, support your farms, your table, your support your local suppliers. You know that's the name of the game right here. We're community based, have been from the beginning, and, and that'll never change. That's awesome. Well, everyone go support him. We'll, I'll see you at Tacos El Navarro or Navarro pretty soon. We get some tacos. We'll talk about Mexico City, which we didn't cover at all. Which I'm sure there's some crazy stories from there, food wise. Um, but that'll yeah, be on the. Yeah. We'll have you back. Yeah, on. Do this again. This has been awesome. Thank you, Sam. This has been great. Everyone have a great week.